from the campaign trail to the studio, Wesley Hunt continues the fight. Along with his brother, Rendon, they chronicle their family experience from slavery to West Point in four generations. Tackling the difficult conversations facing our country, they're on a mission to preserve the American dream. Buckle up and welcome aboard. You're in the hunt. I'm Wesley Hunt. I'm Rendon Hunt. And you're in the hunt. Here we go. Got a juicy one for you guys today. Uh, we're going to talk about Ricky Williams to start off. Now, <laughs> there was a 30 for 30, and I don't know if... Well, back a girl. Explain which Ricky Williams, because we've had a few Ricky Williams. That's a, that's, a, that's a really good point. Yeah. We're talking about Ricky Williams, the Heisman Trophy winning, uh, running back for University of Texas, who also played in the NFL. Uh, was one of the all-time greats at University of Texas. Just a, a truly phenomenal athlete, uh, wonderful baseball player as well. That's the Ricky Williams we're referring to. NFL played for the Saints. They went on to play for the Dolphins. Had quite an interesting career, to put it mildly. <laughs> yes. And for the record, Ricky Williams was my favorite college player of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Mine, mine, is, prob mine is probably Reggie Bush. But, yeah, but I mean, that's Rick, fine. That's Rick, fine. Ricky's, Ricky's everyone, ha everyone has their faults. You could be wrong, too. Yes. <laughs> you can always be right. <laughs> you can always be wrong. <laughs> now, Ricky Williams has a 30 for 30. If you're not familiar with a 30 for 30 series that ESPN does, they're fantastic. They give you the real context about how sports and life merge together. And the one on Ricky Williams is called Run, Ricky, Run. And it chronicles much of his career. And for those of you who don't know, he really struggled with a number of different things, uh, depression, uh, drugs, specifically marijuana use. And it chronicles kind of how he engages with these things, but he's a very different guy. Yeah. And so many of the, the perspectives that he takes, the ways that he views life are just different from, from what you typically see. Well, there was one moment in this 30 for 30, and these are, over an hour-long show. So I watched it, told Wesley, hey, man, you need to watch it. We'll compare notes afterwards. <laughs> and there was one point on the 30 for 30 that we both focused on. There was a moment where the person who's filming or producing walks up to him, and Ricky has something in his beard, like a piece of food or something, okay? <laughs> and he walks up to Ricky, and he says, hey, Ricky, if you had something in your beard, would you want me to tell you? And Ricky looks at him and nonchalantly says, no. <laughs> no. So that's going to tee up what we're going to talk about a little bit today. A lot of us think that we're open to hearing criticism from other people, that we want to hear uh, sometimes a better and more novel way to view the world or to view other things. But we're really not open to that. And one of the things that I really respected about that perspective that Ricky took in that moment, and once again, we're talking about a two-second moment over the course of, of an entire documentary. And the thing that really stuck out— he may out, or may not have been high when they asked him He that. could have been, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. But, but nevertheless. But the crazy thing that, that really stuck out for me in that is the idea that somebody who we perceive to have lost his mind— and for those listening to this on podcast, I'm doing air quotes, lost his mind. Yeah. Because I have to say that now because I've had friends say, hey, when you do the roller coaster, you know, your hand going up and down. If we're listening to the podcast, nobody knows what you're doing. I'm like, yeah. ah, uh, that's, aha, a aha, aha. That's, a, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. So I put in air quotes, lost his mind. He said something that's just so provocative that's, that's really stuck with me. He had the awareness to say, well... No, I'm really not interested in learning more about that perspective. And many of us are there, but we're not willing to yeah, actually admit it. Admit that we're there. Actually admit it. And then and then then it's actually twofold because you have to be the person that wants to admit that you do want that kind of feedback, but then you also have to be the person who's willing to look at somebody that may be a perfect stranger and say, do I have the courage to tell this person that they have something in their beard or that they have something in their nose? And even though the person, you don't know if the person that you're talking to may or may not want that perspective, am I going to be the person to tell them that anyway? <laughs> 
it's hard. So how many times, Renee, have you been talking to someone? And for, I mean, let's just let's just call it what it is. I mean, we're all human beings. We all have had boogers in our noses. Sure. Let's just get it out there. Sure. Everybody has. So if you yeah. if you say you think you're perfect, then I've never had a booger. Never had a booger, but those yeah. then you're a liar. Sure. <laughs> so everybody's had this moment, okay? Yeah. And have you talked to somebody, and you and you're looking at it, and you're like, you know, if this person only knew what's happening right now. I can't even hear anything they're saying or what they're doing. I'm fixated on this on this Intruder. mucus object. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I'll tell you, Wesley, in the past 10 years of my life, has that happened to me? Not exactly like that because I will always tell somebody, hey, man, so, but you got even, something in your nose. Hey, but no, 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 no. See, you won't do it like that. See, you'll, by the way, I appreciate you have the courage to tell somebody that, but the universal way of doing this is still a little bit cowardly. Yes, it's <laughs> not. You don't, you don't confront it. It's, hey, man, you know, you, you may want to. And for those who are listening, he's putting his hand up to his nose. Hey, you know, it's like you, 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 you approach it in a very, very gingerly, you know? It's, yeah. hey, man, you know, you, and it's not like something. You know exactly what it is. <laughs> What do you mean something? It's, something it's not lint in your nose. In your nose. It's, yeah. it's, it's probably a booger in your nose. But how can we get to a place to where we are comfortable with saying to somebody and then that person is even more comfortable with receiving the idea that they're trying to help you out because they don't want you to be embarrassed because you have an object in your nose? Yeah. Well, and it, it, it turns out to be a sign of trust. Because one of the things that, that I've noticed, sometimes I had a, a buddy who asked me, this is a, a couple weeks ago, we were having a similar conversation. I swear all of my conversations are not about boogers in my nose. Yeah, they are. But we were, we were having a very similar conversation. And he was asking me, he said, like, yeah, last time that happened to you, last time you were talking to somebody, then went to the bathroom and realized you had a booger in your nose, like, what did you do after that? I was like, oh, that was easy. I'd never talk to the person again because they're clearly not my friend. Because <laughs> they sat there and let me in a professional setting talk to people with a booger in my nose, and I go to the restroom. Like, come on, and I'm man. like, you come saw, on, man. You could have said, you, you could have said something to me. You could have said something to me. But even to that point about how do we engage with people and and how do we build up the the courage to to tell people these things a lot of this it goes back to the idea that we talked about before wesley it's the idea of being rooted in relationships mm -hmm. like if you have a relationship with somebody you have an openness to be able to tell them what's going on and and quite frankly you have a duty of transparency Mm -hmm. Because there's been so many times in my life, uh, probably so many times in your life, where I needed somebody to tell me the hard truth. Yeah. And when you get that hard truth, you're so glad that somebody's willing to tell you that. But a lot of times the people who are telling me that hard truth, it was rooted in the fact that I had a relationship with them. So that's and I think that's where a lot of people do understand that it's not necessarily what gets said is who it comes from. Absolutely. So even, you know, when you try to, you know, impart some knowledge onto somebody else that might be difficult for somebody to take or understand, the first person I think about is, okay, who is the best person that can articulate this and convey it in a way that will be most receptive to that person? Because if I say it, it's not going to go over very well. Yeah. But, but, but if somebody else says it, well, well, then it might actually have the result that you want to get to. You know, uh, you and I were just talking about last chance you. Mm. And that coach, the coach, and this, this is the latest basketball one. Yeah. And the coach in, in Last Chance U had had a quote that I'll. I'm, it goes something like this. I'm kind of I'm trying to par I'm trying to paraphrase it, but it, it's he said rules without a relationship leads to rebellion. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And what he's getting at is, is that you know he's a coach of this basketball team, and and you could be a hard ass all you want. You could yell at your players. You could try to get them to do what you want them to do, and all this. You could, you could, you can be this Leviathan type figure to force people to do what you want, but you can push somebody so far to the point where they're just going to be like, you know what, I quit. Yeah. And you push them there because you don't have the relationship with them. Now, if you build a relationship with you and these players or these people know that you care about them, know that you're operating in their best interest, know that you're trying to get them to the next level, yeah. and then you impart these very stringent rules, you don't have rebellion, you get loyalty. Absolutely. The United States Congress. You want to talk about relationships? 
Think about the relationships that, that were had in Congress, these iconic relationships of 30, 40, 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. And many of, look, there's a whole lot of reasons for the dissension that we're seeing in our country right now. A whole lot of reasons. Okay. One of the reasons that I oftentimes hear is the ability of members of Congress to come together and to build and foster positive and strong relationships. One of the arguments that we've heard oftentimes, the, the rationale for why we need more veterans in Congress, is the idea that you are used to being in situations where you're working with people that might not agree with you on things ideologically, but they're committed to performing the mission and they have a duty to get things done in the right way. And so as we think about what about those relationships that need to be built and how do you build those relationships? Well, I tell you, I can tell you how not to build those relationships, slinging mud all over the place. All the time. Talking trash about people all the time. Ad hominem attacks. We're never going to be able to build the relationships that we need if that's all that we're leading with. If we're leading with negativity, if we're leading why things can't come together and why we can't be a, a part of a solution. So one of the things that, that really, oftentimes as I think about your run, as I think about relationships in Congress, relationships amongst politicians, these are things that are very important, reaching across party lines and understanding that. I mean, we saw a little bit of that with uh, you know Will Hurd and Beto O'Rourke, regardless of what I think about either of their politics, like, hey, spending some time together and driving across Texas to understand some it's things. It's not a bad like, thing. Yeah, it's sound, not a bad thing. Sounds like a pretty good idea to me. You don't have to agree on everything. No. Yeah. Building your relationship is really important. Yes. You know, uh, I got to really know uh, a congressman out here. He just got elected. His name is August Fluger mm-hmm. uh, out here in Midland, Texas. He is, he's awesome. He's like my favorite guy. He's amazing. Right. Okay. And, and he's doing a heck of a job right now. He's your now. favorite guy? I'm getting there. Because he went to the Air Force Academy, unfortunately. Oh, gosh. Yeah, he went to the Air Force Academy. We all have faults. He's a Zoomy, man. And, and <laughs> I, I thought I liked him, but he's all right. You know. <laughs> yeah, he's all right. August yeah, is, he's making a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> August is great. And when I first met he was also in a Texas Reloaded yes. video with me and Crenshaw and awesome. the others. And, and so I've gotten to know August pretty well. And he's just an awesome guy. And it's kind of funny how once we get past the, I went to West Point and then you went to Naval Academy, I mean, you went to the Air Force Academy, they're all the same. If they're not West Point, if you, ain't, if you didn't go to West Point, then you ain't. If you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> all right, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Shake. All you other guys, they went to the In bake. <laughs> In bake. I see what you did there. You just closed it. I opened it and closed it. Yeah, closed it, yeah. yeah. Shake it. Uh, Shake it. The first time we we met, we once once to get past the jokes about who who went to a better academy. You're right. The relationship started with immediate trust. The guy's an F-22 pilot. We had oh. that in common. You know, he's he's currently a colonel uh, in in the reserves. This guy continues to serve. Awesome. And when, so when you think about what he's done, you autom- automatically get a pass for so many different reasons. Because I think I know where your heart is and is rooted in making the country better. Yeah. I feel the same way about some Democrats that I have met that are on the other side of the aisle. The second I see or hear that, that, that you serve the country, like for, like Tulsi Gabbard, for example, like yeah. the second I saw that she served the country, I was like, you automatically you get a certain level of respect. We Absolutely. Can, we can literally hash out the differences later. We may disagree on everything ideologically from a political vantage point, but thank you for your service. And there's this twinkle in our eye yeah. of we got it. Yeah. That's well, a relationship thing. And I think that's one thing that, that also differentiates you with a lot of people. And I think I, I hope that I'm similar in this. And I think that a lot of this is rooted in the way that we were raised. There's also a piece of it's the innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. yeah. The assumption. Respected until proven that you're not worthy of respect. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, that, that shouldn't just be given to just people that served in the military. Yeah, that, that's that's what I'm getting I, at. I get you. I, yeah, yeah, that, I'm not saying, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I'm getting at, is that we, we we also, I think, approach life in a similar way in that if you get to know somebody, there's going to be this level of respect that you have for the person because they're a person and because they're trying to change the world and because they're actually out there doing something, yeah. right? There's this this, this requisite level of respect that, that, that we have for people. 
And I think that that's what's really dangerous that's happening in our culture is so many of the things that we say and do are not rooted in a requisite level of respect that we would typically have for another person. Yeah, for, for humanity. Period. It's for a human being. Like, this is somebody's son. This is somebody's daughter. This is somebody's sister. This is somebody's brother. We don't have that requisite level of respect for people in general. And I think that that's becoming extremely damaging in our culture. I agree. Now, of course, another thing that, that's interesting about, about the Ricky Williams paradigm, of course, and actually I thought about this, too, as we were talking what Ricky Williams and Reggie Bush have in common is that they are both from San Diego. Yes, they are. Both played high school football in 619. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things that was also interesting about that clip was there's this real piece of humanity for somebody to ask another person, Yeah. Do you want my feedback? Not just gate, he didn't just give it to him. He didn't he just asked. he didn't just say, yeah. Hey man, nose flick. He asked him, would you want me to, like, really delving into what are your thoughts, how can I understand you better before I figure out the appropriate way to address this situation? Yeah. Now, Ricky's response to that was not very loquacious. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the guy yeah, was, <laughs> was, was probably looking for a longer conversation than, no. It was so profound, wasn't it? It was so unbelievably profound. Because how do we address people, even if we think about that producer, and even if we think about having that conversation, and I, I've, I've had it a number of times as a black male, right? We talked about this before, African-American, black, and all this kind of stuff. Do you know what has never happened to me in a professional or otherwise setting what? <laughs> why are you laughing <laughs> i don't know why i, I even went. said anything uh, yeah i don't know <laughs> it was never of all the times that i've been the only black guy in the room nobody has ever stepped back and said well what do you want to be called <laughs> right <laughs> Right? Like, everybody, everybody has always had this conversation about, well, this is what we're trying to get to with this, and this is where we're trying to, and this is, blah, blah, blah. we're trying to be respectful of this, and we're trying to, and, hey, and nobody has hey ever guys. Hey guys. deferred to the subject matter expert in the room and just, and just asked. What do you think? Like, hey, what are, what are your thoughts on this? And that's what I thought was really interesting about that question, even to Ricky Williams. It's the whole idea of, huh, I could tell him this, but why don't I just ask him what he wants or how he wants and to be if addressed? if he doesn't want it, then you could just then back off. Then leave it alone. And that's what he did. He just backed off. He was like, huh. Okay. <laughs> and, kept, and they kept on filming. And, 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 and it did, stayed there. It didn't say anything. <laughs> and it stayed there for and the rest Ricky, of the shot. Ricky kept talking <laughs> with that piece of food in his beard. <laughs> That's incredible. It was awesome. It's incredible. And it, and it was and it was honestly, it was also one of those moments where you know there's 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 a fine line between uh, genius and insanity. And it was one of those moments where I'm looking at Ricky and I'm looking at his self-perspective and him understanding what he wants and understanding where he was to a certain extent in that moment. And it's so enviable. So I, mean, I have a lot of respect for Ricky Williams. A whole lot of respect. A ton of respect for Ricky Williams. Yeah. In spite of some of the issues that he had. Oh yeah. If you want to talk about winning the battle of authenticity, oh, game over. Yeah, this this guy, through all the through all of his trials and tribulations, is exactly who he is, and then left football at in his prime to go really discover and find himself. Yeah, didn't care about money, didn't yeah. care about the fame. He had some mental issues. Yeah, he coped through marijuana as we all them, as we all as do. we all do. Yeah, as we all do. And this guy literally leaves a very lucrative situation to go find himself, Brendan, and becomes a yoga, like, like a yoga instructor. Yeah. Eastern medicine practitioner. Like, yeah. Do you know how awesome that is? That's, the, that's truly the definition of freedom. Yes. Well, 
And isn't that interesting too? Because we oftentimes in life, we believe the things that are going to set us free are actually the things that put us in bondage. Wow. We believe that because everybody is watching Ricky Williams and what do people say? Oh, you can make a lot of money playing football. You can make a lot of money playing football. What if you have a person that doesn't want to be enslaved by the chains of money? Oh. <laughs> like what if that doesn't matter to him? It doesn't matter. So you're, you're assessing a standard to this person that you should want to engage in this way, that way, or the other. You're assessing a standard to them, but your standards don't mean anything. Do, and do you know why you're assessing? The operative word here is assessing a standard to them. Because you didn't even ask him. You didn't ask him what was important to him. What was, you don't ask him what his standards even were. You didn't even ask him that. No. Because you're assuming he wants something removed from his face and that he doesn't care is there. So why do you care? You're distracted by it, but guess who's, not, guess who's not distracted by it? This goes back to what my favorite question is always. It's not, it's not how could you. It's why do you. Yeah. I always say this. I always end up going back to this. It's yeah. always, it's not, oh my gosh, how could you be a Republican? It's Wesley, Rendon, why are you Republicans? Are you seeking to understand what our ideology is or how we got here, or are you just seeking to condemn to put us in your box? Oh, yeah. And I don't want to be in your box. I don't want to be in your box either, man. Like, I just... <laughs> And to, and to your point, we slapped Cholula on the question, too. Yes. <laughs> well, why are you bad? You know, we... we, we, we so I'm a sriracha guy with Cholula. We, we see. Sriracha's a little thicker. Yeah, I got... Yeah, yeah. I'm a sriracha guy, man. What do you put on your eggs? I'm a ketchup guy on my eggs, though. Ah, uh, that's disgusting. No. <laughs> that's... Why are you to put me in your box? <laughs> it's because it's not a hot dog, <laughs> Cause egg, cause Do you egg, think I'm the only first one? Because eggs, so get cause eggs are not a hamburger. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> eggs are not french fries. <laughs> so, uh, Waddell, What do you put on your eggs? Cholula. Well, it's not a taco either. <laughs> Fair. Ooh, I mean, <laughs> got any tips? Got any, got any tips? <laughs> so, actually, Waddell made, made fun of me for that one time. Waddell is my wife. And we were in, in D.C. Beautiful, amazing wife who was clearly your better half. Continue. Oh, uh, way out of my league. I, I did it for you. Continue. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. I've been on the trail for a long time. I do, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been on the trail. Dude, dude, the I trail. know how this works. Go yes. ahead. So, we were, we were at, at a place called Ted's Bulletin. In, oh, in yeah. D.C. Yeah, it's an awesome place. Ted's Bulletin is fantastic. And they're known for the That's homemade Pop-Tarts. Oh, the breakfast they make, place. Yes. They make homemade Pop-Tarts. And if you're ever in, in D.C. or in the greater Virginia area, there's some of them around in Alexandria as well. They're just fantastic. And so we were at Ted's Bulletin one time with a good friend of mine, Amy Lynn, who used to work at the Department of Labor with me. And Amy is a dear friend and a, an absolutely fantastic person. And... We were getting breakfast, and the waitress comes over and asks, you know, hey, would you guys like any hot sauce or anything? And I was like, yes, I would like Cholula. And everybody started laughing, and they thought it was so weird that I would specifically request Cholula Why? in a breakfast spot. That's what I said. And now, to this day, whenever I ask for Cholula, Waddell snickers. Like, of course, of course you Cholula. You yeah, big, big dummy. <laughs> you big Cholula dummy. <laughs> so so I, am, I am all the way uh, Cholula on eggs, but Sriracha on, on most everything else, though. Yeah, I got you. Sriracha on most everything else. But so, like, I want to get back to this relationship thing, too, though. Yeah we, yeah, we started talking about hot sauce. Yeah, I know. The, the, relationship, <laughs> the relationship piece of this is very important. And I look at you, and we have an excellent relationship. I, I, you, you're my best friend. Love you. you. We have an excellent talking relationship. You have good taste. <laughs> you know, just uh, so a couple of weeks ago, I don't want to get too deep in this, but I, I do want to touch on this. Sure, sure. Okay. This should be good. The, the, Prince, the Prince Harry interview on Oprah. Okay. <laughs> So, so you and I, so 
you and I are around the two princesses' age, so we kind of—we didn't grow up with them, obviously. I mean, we didn't grow up with them, obviously. But they would have been so lucky to have thrown up with us if they could only have been so blessed. <laughs> yeah. But I always feel—I always felt like I would—I watched them come up, and we yeah. were kind of the very similar ages. They're—they're they're close in age as we are, you know, two boys, and we just kind of grew up kind of in the, in the, in the, in the same world. Yeah, and. Harry Not in the goes, same world, in the same era. Same era. That's yeah. what I meant. Yeah, yeah same yeah, era. Yeah, yeah. And and Harry, then Harry goes off and becomes an Apache pilot, and I'm an yeah. Apache pilot. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, this is cool, yeah. you know, and they're princes, and he's an Apache pilot, he has an older brother, and I bet they get along really well, and when they talk, they have, you know, like, like, a, like a relationship like we have. And as I watched that interview, or a piece of it, I couldn't watch the whole thing, I thought to myself... Damn, it feels good to have a good brother like you. Because <laughs> as I watched Harry, <laughs> oh, he just shanghaied his brother, throw his entire family <laughs> <laughs> under the bus. Look, I don't want to get into details of it, so, but I, I watched that and I was like, but there's family business, yeah, that shouldn't be aired. With, I think Oprah is the top three most famous people on planet Earth. Yes, so it's, is, it's like it's like and she's it's, incredible. It's, it's like. Barack Obama, it's Donald Trump, Jordan, and Oprah. Yeah. I mean, those are the most famous people on planet. And there's like, there's others as well. Yeah, yeah. But you literally just went on national television and aired your family. And by the way, how crazy is that that three of the four people that you had mentioned would be part of the 13% minority in the United States as the most famous people in the world? Right. And it has, this isn't new. Michael Jackson was one of the most famous people in the world too when, when he was alive too. Like isn't that isn't that crazy? I didn't think about that like that. See, we don't think like that. Yeah, in in that nuts. I would have never. LeBron thought. James is one of the most famous people in the world right now. Huh. And there and we are the minority. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Wow. Didn't do that on purpose. Yeah. Good call. Thank you. Yeah. But but I thought about when I think about the relationship that we have, I thought to myself as I watched that and like I said, what came out of it, I don't want to get into the details of that. I just remember thinking I was watching and I was like, if I were his brother right now, (laughs) I would get Rogaine. Yeah, they're both hurting up top. They're both hurting up top. <laughs> Understatement. If I was the oldest brother watching, if I were watching you, and by the way, we aren't like, like we aren't perfect people. Like no family is perfect. No. So what if I took all of our family's faults, called up Oprah, and said, "Yo, oh, put him, put him in a blender, <laughs> put him, and then just poured out that smoothie." <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Well, and, and then there's there's the idea of this too, where, and once again, there's there's a there's a real interesting American perspective that comes out of this, and be having the privilege of growing up black in America, there are certain things that I've always known, you know, yes, like I've always kind of known, you can go to a NASCAR event. Might not be the place where you're most welcome in the '80s as a black guy. I would agree with that, right? Like, I would agree. You always, you, you always kind of know, and it doesn't mean that all these people are bad or good or anything like. Doesn't mean any of that. It's just there's some innate things that you just know. I'd go now though. I go. To, I, it's I go different. To now. I said that's why I said in the '80s. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I agree it's, with you. It's, I agree. It's, it's changed tremendously. It's, it's different, yeah. right? And there's certain things that that I think. And and look, I'll give you another example, right? If I'm at Fenway, I'm not going to be coming in there with my Yankees gear on and stuff like that why, why and expecting not? somebody not to throw a hot dog at me. Oh, why not? I might do it. They don't, then there, there's not Yankees fans in Fenway? <laughs> not a whole lot of them. I mean, really? <laughs> not it's, a, it's a great point, though. Yeah. Of course. Like, yeah. what do you— like, 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 you would expect it. I, now, in this, I wouldn't go to a Charlie Murphy show yeah. wearing a seersucker suit without expecting him to call me out, right? Right. And I guess for me, of all these things that that appear to be very obvious in our lives and in our culture, the thing that that was interesting to me watching some of the interview was, wait a minute, you mean to tell me the royal family in England that has never had a black member of it has 
adverse feelings towards black people more broadly and then even more specifically a black american oh how shocking and juicy of course i take it one step further rendon these people have adverse feelings to poor white people yeah and Asian people, and Asian people, and and, and Hispanic people. people and like, what are you like? These, these, this, this is, is the monarchy. This is a monarchy in England. England. <laughs> like, this is as Anglo-Saxon as it gets. Okay. <laughs> so I, so and and I and I, I just I in many ways you, to your point because beyond anything that came out like terrible, whenever racism is revealed in any way, it's awful. And it's, yeah. and it's terrible for us to see and, and for us to, to, to be reminded of negative legacies. Yes. A relationship amongst brothers to watch that, Horrendous. to your point, that, that, was, that, was, that was rough to watch, man. Because I would hope, once again, before I'm having, if, if we ever have some mega falling out. This is behind closed doors conversation. Yeah, I, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to do that to the family publicly. It's not even the thing. Like, like I wouldn't do that to you. To you, as a person. But so like, I'm lumping them all together because he just—I mean—he just threw a nuclear bomb on everybody in, in his in his family. Yeah. That, quite frankly, wasn't necessary in my opinion. Yeah. That, that's yeah. not that's not the world's business. Yeah. And there are ways to handle situations through the relationships that we are talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. And then there's also this piece of, of, of privilege that's wrapped up in all of this. And first of all, you know, I have a lot of respect for uh, for Harry because he did serve in the military. Yes. Right? And he didn't have to do that. He didn't, no. And they had to pull him away from, from combat yes. and screaming. I have a lot of respect for that guy. Yes. And I hope he and his wife are extremely happy in the United States. Like, I'm, look, I'm happy that he has good taste in, a, in, a, in a, an American woman. Great. One thing I will say about this guy, though. I won't go that far. Go ahead. One thing I will say about this guy from a privilege angle, you know, these are the same people that are going to be uh, talking and, and being cheerleaders about privilege. This is a guy that says, I'm going to step away from the royal family and all of the money that they pay me. And I'm going to do an Oprah interview. And I'm going to get paid on that. And I'm going to do consulting projects that I'm only getting because of my name and because of that royal blood that courses through Preach. my veins. Preach. Right? <laughs> and so we're going to talk about privilege, okay? No, gave the interview at their $14 million house in California with Oprah. Yeah. And, and we're, and, and I mean, we're, and, and we're going to talk about privilege? Is that, is, is that, is that really where we want to go with this? And then we act like it's so noble for him to give up <laughs> the princely robes in privilege. <laughs> we act like it's so noble. <laughs> Let me tell you, like, Dude. like look, Dude. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Like, like, once again, all respect to him and who he is, but it is not an unbelievable gut-wrenching decision to say, man, I'm going to go from living in a castle and being a duke or earl or, or whatever, whatever I am. It, whatever it is. And I'm going to move to America, and I'm going to be a multimillionaire because they're enthralled with who I am and, and the blood that courses through my veins and the fact that I'm royalty. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a stretch for me, bro. Does that, does that really – I mean, is, is that really what we're, what we're glorifying? In and, and then to watch how it was covered on top of it to me was like we're acting like these people are really struggling. Like they're slumming, man. Like they're really struggling. These people are not struggling. <laughs> like, like I, I've seen struggle. Notice I say I've seen struggle. I wouldn't even say I've struggled. No. I, I mean, I've seen people really struggle. Really struggle. This is That's not struggle. Yeah. And all this to say, what inculcates all of this is... Do you think that them or our culture is open enough to take that feedback? <laughs> Do they really want to know what's in their beard? Like everybody, once again, we want to talk about privilege and stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> but do we really want to have a conversation about all that that entails? Wow. And are we really willing to have a conversation that this is not something that's rooted in, I like this person or don't like this person? It's telling him the truth. It's, it's telling him a, a, a truth. Because, look, I'm telling you, like, 
I've watched Harry on these videos and stuff like that. I think he would be jolly awesome to hang out with. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I would probably he'd be a jolly awesome bloke. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be a, I jolly. Can't, I, I can't. I jolly, wish I could. I jolly awesome bloke. <laughs> yeah, that was that was bad. Okay, was that bad? That was bad. Yeah. Okay, it was okay. Seventy five. It was C, yeah, C, yeah. C, C plus seventy five seventy eight. Yeah, okay, okay, it was okay. good. <laughs> good enough. Yeah, yeah. You'll yeah. pass. You're okay, child. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I'm sure he would be wonderful to hang out with, and I and I hope, and that's that's something about this podcast, even more broadly. I hope that there are things that You're I wonderful say. Wonderful to hang out with. This dude has a picture of him in a Vegas hotel with a pillow in front of himself, covering himself. That's all. He'd be awesome to hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> He's royalty. There's a picture of him butt naked. He'd be awesome to hang out with. Well, until I saw that interview. I don't want to hang out with him anymore. I didn't say I wanted to be his brother. <laughs> I wanted to hang out with him, all right? <laughs> well, and 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 that's kind of that's kind of what gets really interesting. In a, we can still totally hang out. Yeah. I just don't want to be his brother. Well, and, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I would hope people would get, even even from this uh, from this podcast and and a lot of the conversations that we have. There's a total difference between once again. There's a requisite respect that you have from somebody that could be intellectual respect, also spiritual <laughs> respect, all sorts of other things. There's this requisite level of respect that you have for a person, and if you lead with that, you can have some pretty interesting engagements. I would hope that somebody like Prince Harry would hear something like this and be like, wow, I would agree with those guys. And I mean, that's kind of, you know, that's a little bit out of bounds in some ways, but uh, man, I, there are points that they bring up that are interesting. Like, and some cheeky fellows. Yeah, they're cheeky fellows. I want to be cheeky, man. <laughs> I want to be cheeky, bro. <laughs> Good cheeky with it. Is that what he said? That's not what he said. No, okay. terrible, just, no. I was just, just wondering. <laughs> Aha. Don't do. Will Smith is the worst, dude. <laughs> you know I hate Will Smith. I don't hate Will Smith. No, man. Man. He's, the, he's a come on. Man. Hey, I, I loved him in Aladdin as genie though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did like I did love him in I Am Legend. I yeah, thought that, I thought that was great. Yeah, that was great. I but, thought but getting jiggy with it is was is a is a oh that was a low. It's a low for me. Yeah, that I, I'll never I'll never I'll never forget him. Yeah, you know what's funny about getting jiggy? What with about it? the Men in Black dance? <laughs> <laughs> Where would you put? So you know what's funny about getting jiggy with it? Huh. Don't you know it's like it's like you know getting jiggy with it is coming at every white person's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and I walk off the dance floor. Right every time I'm like I'll wait till they I'll wait till they come back to reality. What's like really not funny though? It's like it's like getting jiggy with it in YMCA. Like, you yeah. know, if they don't play those two songs at a white wedding, yeah. it, it never happens. <laughs> that seals the deal. That seals the deal. <laughs> also, uh, I thought I thought Seven Pounds was a fantastic film. Seven Pounds was good too. I thought that was I thought that was very. Good. I just don't think he did Ali justice, which that, is hard to do him justice. That was rough, but I will I will say this about Will Smith. Back, I don't know if you remember a time long ago when you couldn't on-demand stream movies. So HBO got the top-end movies, and then TNT and TBS got the B movies. Okay. Will Smith is the king of B movies that if you catch him halfway in on TNT or yeah. TBS, you can watch the rest of it. Okay. iRobot. Yeah. Okay. Independence Day. Okay. Enemy of the State. Okay. These are all like B to B oh, plus. Oh, this is good. These are B to B, B plus, plus movies, movies that if you, if it catches you on the right Saturday it, afternoon, yeah, and you're like, I've got two hours, including commercials. I'll leave it to on to light on fire. Yeah, I'm just gonna sit here in my jammies the, and watch the, this. He's the king of that. He's the king of those movies, yeah, man. He is. He's the king of those movies. But I'm, I'm glad you're. Make a long story short, I am. I brought that up. I, I'm glad you're my brother. I feel like we have the relationship to where before I went on Oprah, before you did. I would call you and I would say, we need to talk about something. Yeah. And we would come to some sort of agreement so that I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel like I had to go on national television and trash you. And this is kind of the message that I hope people really take from this. I'm glad and we're that's, recording this. And that's... <laughs> <laughs> so this is, and this is the message. That? Did you get that? Okay. Some things are untenable and can't be repaired. I, I, I got it. I would like to think, though, that before people go to an extreme measure, you take all the baby steps to try to mitigate the, the, the Chernobyl meltdown situation so that 
you don't put everybody in a horrible position if it could have been prevented. Well, and it, it just for me, it just questions the motives, right? And, and on some level of who we are, we should be taking the time to delve deeper and deeper into what are our motives behind everything that we do. Recently in my own household, uh, as you know, I'm, I'm a fairly sarcastic person. Mm. Right. You don't say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Touche. Uh, and in my own house, I, there, <laughs> there's been a couple of times where my wife will say something and then I'll just kind of say something snarky for the sake of saying something snarky. And so recently I've just been calling myself out on that. Like, you know, I'll say something snarky and be, and I'll just stop myself in mid-conversation with my wife and be like, hey, that was really ridiculous of me to say that. That was snarky for no reason. I don't know what I was trying to achieve with that. But it's like this, I'm having this ongoing battle of trying to dig deeper and to understand my motivations before I say something. Mm-hmm. Now, the question that that leads to is, geez, if, if I'm having a broadcast that hundreds of millions of people will see, like, what is my motivation behind it? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think there is a way to, to have a motivation that is rooted in, hey, I want to shed light on some things that are going wrong. But I also think there's a way to do that. And there's also a way to kind of give people a chance, too. Mm-hmm. And if it's your family, I mean, hey, look, guys, like, even if it's a bit of an ultimatum, if it's like, hey, I, I'm really not comfortable with the way things played out from a race relations standpoint uh, in our family, and how, what are some things that we can do to get better? And oh, by the way, if they don't get better, this is a story that I would feel the need to tell because yeah. I think it's important that this gets out. So also on the show, you talk about honesty. You've, you've brought this up before, my honesty in relationships and, and then also giving people a chance to defend themselves. Yeah. The worst part of the interview for me was when they brought up somebody in the royal family asked what how dark the kid was going to be or something like that. And they took offense to that, but they wouldn't say who said it. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're diming somebody out with Oprah on national television yeah. and then saying, but we're not going to say who said that. Yeah. And so here's also here's actually what's, what's really funny about that. As I watch that, as you know, like I have biracial children. Yeah. And if, if there, there's two So you were watching it like, yeah, how dark they going to be? That's horrendous. <laughs> 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 Oprah was thinking the same thing. Was like, like yeah, yeah. No, let, let me let me break this down. Okay, it, it's like it's like it depends on people's motives. Motives absolutely matter. They they do. Yeah. I remember before we had Victoria, Emily and I had a conversation about. Man, I'm curious to to know how dark they're going to be. Are they going to be more like me? Are they going to be more like you? In the same tone as two white people would say, I have dark hair and I have blonde Hmm. hair. I wonder if my child is going to have dark hair or blonde hair. I have brown eyes. You have blue eyes. Is our child going to have fill in the blank? What are they going to take after more of your side of the family? Are they going to take after more of that side of the family? The notion of asking if a biracial child is going to be darker or lighter is not inherently racist because we're talking about the characteristics of a person. Yeah. Well, I know where you're going with that. Hopefully we can get there as a culture. That's exactly what I want to get there. The problem is that somehow in how that was worded and how it was was brought out, and this is an assumption that we jump to that is very wrong, somehow that strips out that black can be good or beautiful. Being dark may be a beautiful thing. Being dark complected olive skin do you know what everyone says about my children hmm. oh my gosh they How have are the you most there, perfect father? skin <laughs> they're so cute they're so cute what happened uh, they have they're gonna your oh wife my must gosh, be beautiful <laughs> <laughs> the first thing people say when they see me with my kids oh your wife must be beautiful <laughs> Do you, do you know what everybody says about your kids? <laughs> they look just like Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> They're so cute. They look just like Wesley. <laughs> but, but no, like, like, but it, no, but they, but we, we, but we do that. And at what point? Now, Rendon, I, I also understand that some people do make those remarks 
and it is actually rooted in racism. Oh, some people are just jerks and some I'm people not, are racist. I'm not Absolutely. saying that, that we should just automatically dismiss that, but we're acting like people are walking around looking at biracial children wondering what they're going to look like, and they're, and they're, they're asking the question. If, if somebody were to say, well, is he going to be a darkie or not? That's different. Well, that's different. That's different. I would say, well, well, that's racist. Yeah. And you're a jerk. Yeah. But but by virtue of simply asking what hue the child is going to be, I don't think is inherently racist. I think it's curious. Well, and once again, I think that's that's what was that's the the piece I think about that engagement that got really troubling was there wasn't enough context that was given that's, in order in order to answer some of the questions that we've had. So everything was 100% assumed to be negative, 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 negative. No one and, elucidated anyone yeah, and, to the background, to the situation, to the scenario. They wouldn't even say who said it. Yeah. The person who actually allegedly said it couldn't even defend themselves. Because there, there is very much, and once again, maybe it's paying too much devil's advocate. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But, but there's a world to which... You know, we've had conversations before our, our kids were born. Me and you. Huh. Wonder what they'll look like. That's a, Wonder what color your eyes have. Wonder if they'll have, have my nose or what else nose or my lips or what else lips. Like, and, and there's a certain level, this all comes full circle because it all depends on the relationship that somebody has with you that's having that conversation with you. Exactly. Somebody who has a relationship that's rooted in respects who says like like oh that's interesting like you guys have different color skin I wonder what your your kid's skin's gonna but look then, like. But then but then what do we do when the child is born? We look at the children and we say, oh you have eyes like your mother. Yeah. You have a nose like your dad. Yeah. Oh that's your dad's chin. Yeah. You have your mom's hair. Yeah. This is these are the things that we do. Yeah. But if we ever want to even, if, if, if we automatically assume that somebody is automatically racist by strictly bringing up what, what, what skin color somebody is going to be, this is a very dangerous road we have entered in. And to the point that you were making before, Wesley, that's based on the limited information that we're giving. Given. Yeah. If that was indeed something that was, you know, old granny saying something really racist, call it out. Right. Then we need to know that then call it out. That's fine. But with the information that's given, it's like there were some that wondered what color, how dark the child would be. There were probably others who wondered what shape eyes the child would have. Oh, dear me. And how how large the child would be at birth. There were some who probably wondered that. Like, I mean, with the information that you're given, it's I think it's 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 starting a conversation of negativity that may or may not be rooted in negativity. And I think that whenever we go down that road, I think we actually have a moral obligation to vet it. We do. And Herman, I'll take it one step further, brother. I'll be honest with you. And if it is rooted in negativity, then ignore it. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. No. Let's talk about the positivity. Let's talk, let's, let, let's talk about giving people more of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. How about that? If, if somebody if somebody is a racist against my, then I don't want to talk to you. That's fine. I, I'm not. Nor am I. Nor am I even going to give you a platform. Yeah. To even give you any enjoyment whatsoever of your racist comment, Wesley. And to the point that we've that we've made before, here's what what I think is fascinating about this, and this applies for the royal family, and it applies for everybody else who is living in the flip flown era in the dark right now. Prince Harry married somebody who is black. <laughs> okay? That happened. Yes. So for those people who think... And and the queen gave them a royal wedding. Yeah. So for all of the people, whether it be in that family or them or anybody else, who is talking about things in terms of wins and losses... <sighs> Yes. Look at what actually happened. Look at what actually happened. Look at that. I would much rather focus on that point than focus on the handful of racist people in the royal family. The beauty that we have evolved to the point to where you could marry a black woman, a half black woman from America and go to England and have a wedding that the world can watch and see that costs apparently uh, uh, of 14 million pounds, apparently, this wedding. How much and, is that? Uh, 
Do you know how American that statement was? <laughs> that how, was the most. How, um, many, how many feet long was the train? <laughs> Do you know how awesomely American that statement was? Pounds? Who cares? What's that? So how much did it cost? So how much did it cost? <laughs> so that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's such an American. <laughs> so fourteen million pounds. So I'm t- I take it that's an expensive. So I'm saying <laughs> I take it that's expensive. No, no. Okay, okay. But but like we all watched it, and instead of focusing on the fact that wow, I mean this is the first. This is this is an historical moment that's happening. Here we are watching Oprah, watching Harry trash his family. Yeah. And that's what's selling. Yeah. Yeah. So so back to the relationship piece of this, that's what's so critical for us, I think, as a country to continue to move forward. I'm so glad you brought up Congress from a legislative standpoint. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I was talking to Tim Scott of a few of months back, months back when I when I was in DC. Wonderful and he, human being. He's all Tim Scott's the best. He yeah. And he talked about relationships too, and he said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, you need to lead with your heart. No matter what anybody says about you, no matter what they think about you, if you lead with your heart, then that's how you can start to build relationships because people see the authenticity in you. Hmm. And then once you build that trust, once you build that relationship, regardless of what side of the aisle that you're on, you can really get some stuff done. So you wanna talk about Building trust. That would be like somebody asking you, would you want me to tell you if you had something in your beard? And you saying no. Yes. Do you know how much trust yes. that builds? Between Ricky Williams and that immediate. If I'm Ricky Williams, I'm like, <laughs> I would say no, and then I'd be like, thank you for asking. Trust. And the reporter, now he knows everything that this guy tells me yeah. is going to be genuine and honest. Because he's not trying to cater to what I want to see or what does or does he. We we have just entered in a relationship, a covenant of trust. Excellent. And that's and, and that's a covenant of trust, quite frankly. And to your point about about Congress, that's a, a covenant of trust that the people have with legislators. That, quite frankly, is just not working right now. No. Not at all. And, and and part of the reason it's not working, it's these things that we talk about. It's what we, we, we've talked about previously in terms of, of the COVID bill, the COVID bill. There's there's this trust that legislators are going to come together and do what's best for the people. But when we over politicize things and we're not willing to come together, the people end up losing. And when we think about how do we have the best pieces of legislation? How do we allocate money in the best ways? How do we agree on the things that we all agree on? You know, we talked a, a little bit before, you talked about being a, a strong Second Amendment guy, right? Yes. You know, we're in different places on that, me Yes. You, right? But we respect each other, we respect each other's opinions. Yeah, but Bill, what's up, Mavs is gonna be at my house, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, I got, I got I'll be borrowing a gun. I'll be borrowing one of my guns, somehow. But, but here, here's, what's, here's what, what's really interesting on this, though, Wesley. Would you agree that, um, from a background check standpoint, when people are purchasing guns, it's probably a good thing to have? We already have that set up. Yes, we have that in place. Everybody believes that and agrees, right? We have that in place. Like, we, I can't so, go get a gun without them running a back. We already have that. Yes. So Nobody's going to disagree with that, by the way. Like, nobody's going to disagree with that. Th- that's, why, that's why it's already in so, place. So, so, yes. <laughs> so rather not start with the nucleus of what we have and then build upon that. Yes. Why do we automatically jump to the fact that I don't think this person should have an armor-piercing round? Yes, that. What? <laughs> well, why? Why? Why would we start there? <laughs> why don't we start with, "Hey, man, would you want me to tell you if you had something in your beard?" Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is a this is a point where, where in which we could build trust, and I can at least understand your perspective, and have a healthy amount of respect for why you stand in the place where you stand. Yeah. Because I respect your opinion of it. 
And so that can allow us to think about what are the best ways to address it and where where is common ground necessary? You know, back on the background check thing, too, that's very that's a very interesting point that you bring up. So I have my I have my concealed carry, obviously. Yeah. And, and to get that, you have to go through a course and then they then they, then they bless you off yeah. and then they give you your concealed carry. You have to actually shoot and all, do all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And they and, and they run a background check on you before they give you this yeah. concealed carry. And part of the concealed carry means that I can go to a gun shop and then show them my ID. And so it kind of it, it makes it streamlines the pro, it streamlines the process because the background check was already done. Yes, that's why I have my concealed carry. Yes, I don't think anybody you can buy alcohol because you already have an ID. Because you have an ID, so you don't have to give them a birth certificate in order to buy alcohol. Thank you. I smell what you're stepping in. So, so, I, so with that, with that being said, as somebody who's a gun owner, who I, I don't, I don't see a problem with that. Yeah. In fact, I most gun owners I know actually are law-abiding citizens that don't see a problem with that. Yeah. So most, I would even go further. Not most gun owners, you know. Hell, every gun owner I know is law-abiding citizen. That's, that's well, wow, Rendon. Every legal gun owner I know is a law-abiding citizen. Straight up. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. And like oftentimes we use language and couch things to try That's to, but, but I mean, but really in reality, I mean, every person the that overwhelming I know, majority, has, majority of people that I know, I mean, I don't, I don't, and if I, and if I knew somebody who wasn't, I mean, they probably would be in jail, right? <laughs> or on their way. Or on their way. <laughs> For real. No, seriously though. I know. But this is, but these conversations though, this is how you build the trust to even begin to have the conversation. I understand that there are people that have a lot of consternation about this issue. Yeah. And I've spoken to a lot of people about it, and I understand where they come from. Yeah. And that's what's so important, Rendon, is understanding where someone comes from. Yes. If you have no background as to where they are coming from, then you're going to make wild assumptions rooted in what you think they should be. Yeah. Not actually who they are. Yeah. This is why podcasts are on the rise and why it's so important, in my opinion, too. People are getting sick of Twitter assassinations. Hmm. They're getting sick of the headline news. They're getting sick of the snippets. They actually want to hear people explain their positions. Thank God for Joe Rogan Yeah, starting this. Thank God for Joe Rogan making this a big deal. Yeah, Because now, if anybody, you could be on any side of the aisle, I, I would like to think that we are reasonable human beings, and if you were listening to this conversation, you may not agree with us. Yeah. But you understand. And when you understand, you could build trust. And when you have trust, you can make a difference together. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all we're trying to do is to get to those truths so we can make things better. Yeah. But you can't just get there by snapping your fingers magically. No. It starts off with having and building that relationship. Absolutely. It's all rooted in relationships. It's all rooted in relationships. Well, it's about that time, and I want to reiterate the fact that I'm glad you're my brother. <laughs> Not that turncoat. <laughs> this, is a, this is an interesting double entendre. I thought you were going to say red coat. See? You see what? I, you got it, though. I did. It's pretty good. I literally, that's why I chose that. So I chose turncoat. That's pretty good. Uh, but no, really. Uh, I, I, I love our relationship, yeah. and... and I always tell people all the time, I wish everybody could have a relationship like this because it just, ma it just makes you better. Yep. And if you don't, then there's always time to find it and work on your current relationships. Absolutely. And, and, and I think that's just a wonderful, a wonderful note to end on is that idea of working on our current relationships. And some of these might be relationships that are very close relationships. Some of these might be budding relationships. Mm -hmm. Some of it might be engaging somebody who has different opinions from you mm -hmm. and somebody who sees the world a different way. Uh, some of this might be rooted in taking the time to develop a rapport and a friendship of respect with somebody who has differing opinions so at least you can know about the other side. That's right. You know, and, and even that's the challenge that I have for people is develop a relationship or start fostering a relationship with somebody who says, I don't want to know if I have something in my beard. That's awesome. Somebody who will be honest with you. That's awesome. Somebody who will tell you about what they're seeing in their world. Like, we're trying to do this. We're trying to develop that kind of rapport and that type of, of, of relationship with you, our audience. 
so that you know the things that we say. I mean, this is what I'm thinking, and I, I, I'm not I'm not saying this to placate anybody or so that that you can feel a certain way. I mean, this is this is what I'm thinking, and there's a perspective that that I think is valid for people to hear and understand and debate. Mm-hmm. I'll let you take us out. And remember, smiles are contagious, so make someone's day. Thank you all.